Welcome into the newest edition of the Fantasy Alarm Fantasy Baseball Podcast. We continue to inch closer to the MLB trade deadline. Of course, we'll be talking about that today. And for some different perspectives on the trade deadline compared to last week when Matt Sells was in at the Sellsman on Twitter, I think he still might be recovering from all the Soto trade rumors. So <laughs> filling in today is going to be James Grande, also known as the underscore king on Twitter. I believe it's the underscore real underscore Grande. So James, how are things in your neck of the woods? Doing well, doing well. Um, thanks for having me as always. And yeah, I'm sure um, I, we caught Sells on a uh, think he was using an oxygen machine he, he was having trouble breathing after hearing all the soto talk so uh hopefully sales has recovered since then and uh it looks like he has after all these delicious meals that he keeps cooking colby i don't know if you keep seeing him on twitter but um sales becoming quite a grill master i mean at least, at least that's what you know he's letting his twitter do the talking i don't i don't know personally but uh grill master sells on twitter uh looks like he's recovering from all the soto news i too am recovering um from the yankees uh dreadful july down to a 12 game lead like what are we doing here Um, but i'm doing good i'm doing good colby yeah it's maybe i don't know maybe maybe matt's just diverting some of his feelings into a new a passion of his which is like the cooking and the grilling so i can't blame him either way because at the very least even if soto gets dealt his family's winning because it looks like (laughs) they are eating some damn good looking (laughs) food so you know, we obviously, like I said, trade deadlines coming up. There's a lot to talk about. Even outside of the fantasy realm, there's been a lot of developments that have kind of happened that are interesting, both in reality, but also in terms of fantasy as well. So we're going to touch on all of that and a little bit more. So we'll start with more trade-focused talk in the beginning. So, James, it sounds like some reports are coming around that after they were out and they're in, they're out and they're in. It sounds like the Yankees are back in in the Andrew Benintendi sweepstakes. I don't know. Maybe there was a willingness to get the vaccine, which would make him a little bit more appealing as we're seeing now with like other stars in the league with Goldie and Arenado not able to go to Toronto. So do you make anything of this or is just that the Yankees are looking into another bat to have somebody that can reliably get on base for them? Or do you think there may have been a development that maybe Benintendi said, if this is going to happen, I would maybe strongly consider it. I mean, I don't know, man. Um, I guess like we've seen it a couple times. Like I know um, for if you want to look at Boston, I mean Trevor Story, they right they gave him an ultimatum before signing him. Like, hey, get the vaccine. We got to play in Toronto all these games, and he did, and he was eligible to play out there. Um, I don't know if there's been a development. Honestly, you know, there's we have three games in Toronto for the regular season. Um, Obviously, Toronto is currently in a playoff position. They likely stay in that position. That's scary. That's a scary proposition for the Yankees to to dive into if he's not available in in a in a crucial spot. So um, he's a good player. He's he is like you said, getting on base a lot. He's a, a lefty bat the Yankees could use in a righty dominant lineup. Um, but I don't know, man. I don't know if it's if it's I guess you have to consider what you have to consider. Obviously there are bigger fish out there. Um, that could, that could, uh, the Yankees could pay for. And I th- I do think they have the assets for, I'm sure you and I are both on the same page here, but um, if it Benintendi's going to obviously cost a lot less than Juan Soto is going to, um, he's a good player in, in his own right. And, and there's a clear void 
you know, to fill Joey Gallo's spot because let's face it, Joey Gallo's trash. Um, so I don't know if there's been a development. Obviously, it's better if he does get the vaccine. Um, but I guess what's the like, what's the official? I mean, by then, I guess by the time the playoffs were to roll around, he could be fully vaccinated. I don't know what the Toronto vaccination laws state. Like, do you only need to have one dose? Do you need to have two? Like, what's what is the what does it say? You know, because if he's not boosted, or do you need to be boosted? You just need to be vaccinated in order to go to Toronto, right? So, um, I don't know what the I don't know what this the trade talks mean. Um, but it's obviously a scary thought if he's not available in a playoff series in Toronto. And I guess the interesting thing to consider is to at what point is trading for an unvaccinated player like Andrew Benintendi almost become not worth it to the Yankees. There's three games in the regular season, right. meaning that you would still have them for 40, 50 Correct. of the remaining games. And then sure you get into the postseason, everything holds out barring a near epic collapse down the stretch. Yankees would have the home series advantage. So they're four right. even in a best of seven, four are going to be there. So three would be in Toronto in a best of seven. So we're talking about six games that you wouldn't have Andrew Benintendi. I know you have to give up a good bit for him, but at, at what point does it almost become cost prohibitive to not do it? Cause if we're, if you're not going to acquire someone who helps your lineup on, you know, 85% of the games that right. you have left in the season, is that not worth it just for the potential of three games in the postseason? I think that's the more important question here beyond just, Benintendi's vaccination status if he can even get over there to play but right. at what point is missing out on six games too much you know what I mean like agreed I mean potentially six I mean the Yankees could win th could if in a seven game series if they you know if Garrett Cole and Nestor Cortez and Luis Severino is back they can win the first three games of that series and then we're not even talking about a third game in Toronto right like they could win they can lose game four back in New York. They go to game five and then they win and close it out. So like me, I don't disagree. Um, but then you have to, but you do have to consider what if they lose a game in New York in the postseason, and then you have to travel twice to Toronto without, I mean, assuming Ben and hitting second, right? Uh, first, it might even lead him off to like stagger. Uh, Cause LeMahieu hasn't been as LeMahieu like over the last couple of years. Um, but if you do lose game one or game two, and then you're going into Toronto without Ben Benintendi, who's leading off. I mean, I agree, Colby. Like, if you get Ben Benintendi for 85% of the games, including every game outside of Toronto, it's worth it because he's not going to be very costly um, as someone like Juan Soto would be. Um, but it is – it's just worth – I guess it's worth thinking about because – there are potentials where like, oh man, that puts Joey Gallo in the lineup potentially for game three, four. And in a series, you might've lost one or two, maybe both at home. Um, at the end of the day, it's probably worth it. But at the end of the day, the first, I mean, the first, you know, your first at the top of the list should be Juan Soto and what costs there, because, you know, we can, well, I won't fully dive into it, but again, I do think the Yankees are one of the few teams that have enough to get him. So um, I think that should probably be at the top of the, the wish list, but Benintendi is a good um, secondary prize if they can't get Soto. 
Yep, I think you're right there. We'll dive into Soto actually here in a little bit, but got to talk about a Yankee rival in Boston in there. I wrote brutal in the show outline. Yeah. <laughs> I just couldn't think of a word that would do it enough justice. Um, you probably That's probably nice. That was probably a nice yeah, one. Yeah, I, I had an <laughs> abysmal, dreadful, yeah. regretful, regrettable. I don't know where you want to, what word you want to go with it. But Boston is now one in nine in their last 10 games after the utter shellacking, well, shellackings that they took in <laughs> in Toronto now 17 and a half back out of the division lead and about five ish games behind Toronto with the trade deadline looming Boston was looking like buyers but now is they're only a half game above the Baltimore Orioles in that division what do you think the outlook now for Boston is at the trade deadline I mean it's bad man I mean losers of five straight they're one and nine over the last 10 games there are seven teams that are within three and a half games of the wild of a wild card spot. And that's just a lot of parody. Um, let's see the blue Jays obviously going to buy the rays are going to buy and they're getting healthier by the way. Um, as the days progress, I mean, big pieces to their bullpen, big pieces to their rotation, Brandon Lau coming back after the break. Like the rays are only going to get better from here. The Mariners have been surprisingly good. The Guardians have been surprisingly good. And the White Sox, with everything they have, they're, they, I mean, they're not going anywhere either. Um, now the Orioles being, I, I don't see really a path back in this for Boston, especially with how bad their pitching is. I mean, they're, Nick Pavetta, who was an awesome, is fall, has fallen off a cliff in July, three straight starts of six or more earned runs. Um, everyone's hurt. Dever, I mean, Devers on the IL, Story on the IL. Um, Kike's been on the IL. JD Martinez hasn't played since the break. Nothing is going right for Boston, and I don't really see a way back in this with their current roster, especially their pitching staff. So, um, I lean more towards sellers. I'm not going to completely, if they can get healthy offensively, their offense can obviously carry them quite a bit. But when is Devers coming back? Is Martinez going to go on the IL? Um, when does story come back? How, how good are they when they come back? Um, I lean right now more, more towards sellers, honestly. Just for fun, quick hitter. Who do you think has more wins by the end of the year, Boston or Baltimore? You're asking, you're asking a Yankees fan that question. I will Mm -hmm. pick any, any chance I get to just take a stab at the Sox. Uh, I'll probably go now, I guess the, Here's the follow-up question. I want to verse this back on you. If they trade, man, like let's say Baltimore, because Baltimore still could be sellers. I mean, they could probably buy and sell at the deadline. Mm-hmm. If they trade Mancini, are they a better team than Boston? I mean, losing that player in the lineup would definitely hurt them. I think what could get them too is if it, it's one of those tough things because the, the very smart thing for them to do is probably to trade off some of those yeah. bullpen pieces that they have Agreed. that have been very good. That's going been to make great. them worse. Been this great. Year. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's going to make them worse this year. Sure. But you know, it, you see it with all of these teams, like Pittsburgh has done it for years. When you're a non-contending team, if someone is going to offer you anything for your closer, it does not matter. You take it because yep. that closer, I mean, Baltimore is approaching their, it's crazy. Are to they say, not but a their contender window. though? Are they not They're, a contender though? Three and a half out of, of the of um Tampa Bay right now for sure I don't think they have enough obviously they don't have enough to win it this year and I think that's what's going to hold them off now what would be very interesting is if we can go back a couple weeks um if if Rodriguez didn't get his arm 
in that arm or shoulder, whatever issue he had there, if he was up at this point, what is that team looking like? And they're just loaded with these top guys. Right. Like, I believe in the updated rankings, I think it was MLB.com prospect. I think they have two in the top five. Yeah, um, Grayson Rodriguez, Gunnar Henderson, four and yep, five right now. Yep, so I, I don't think they have enough to win it this year. But if one of those teams is, maybe not those teams, but in the NL, let's say like uh, like an Atlanta or maybe San Diego comes knocking on the door for Jorge Lopez, it's going to make them worse dealing him. But if they can get something good for a guy who's yeah. largely stunk for the majority of his career, that's a pretty nice net return for Baltimore. So I'm going to say Baltimore does win more games than Boston because I also like to dig at Boston. Um, <laughs> but I think you're right. Baltimore is in a very fun spot. Um, and the trade deadline that, like you said, they can both buy and sell. Yeah. So I will, I'll, I'll go Baltimore with you, but like, if they, if they start selling off all the pieces, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be a close one. Or if they sell off all the pieces and still fill, you know, above Boston, then that's even better. So. Sure, that's even, that's the best case scenario. <laughs> so it's a definitely a good one there. And then obviously the Juan Soto news broke, talked about it with Matt sells at the sales man on Twitter last week and just talk about the, the financials behind it what's it's going to come to i mentioned like what a, what an awesome spot to be in where you can just turn down 440 million dollars <laughs> knowing that you can get 500 million like uh, that's what is you won't even notice that 60 you won't even notice that 60 million like you're not going to notice the 17th briefcase if, no. if you know that, that it's missing compared to number 14 and 15 like you're not going to know this but then of course you also got the reports that teams were calling the angels about shohei otani this is not a surprise you see it in all, like remember the reports in the NFL that teams were calling the Chiefs about Patrick Mahomes. You can call for anybody. They're not going to block your number. They can call for anybody. Um, I think the obvious, if if either player gets dealt at the deadline, the chances of it being Soto are are vastly higher than Otani. I'm pretty confident in saying that. But there's a couple teams: Yankees, Cardinals, um, maybe even Padres in particular that seem to have the best chance for. Juan Soto. So let me ask you here. I asked Matt this last week. He doesn't think anything's going to happen at the deadline. Do you see Juan Soto getting traded before the August 2nd trade deadline? I don't. Um, Obviously, I want him on the Yankees. I mean, three of our top five prospects are shortstops, right? Like, Mm. I mean, hello. Like, what are we doing? Like, I get we can eventually move them, whatever. But like, hello. Like, this is a once in a generation option right at the deadline like you you figure it out but um i ultimately i don't think he just based on asking price alone um i don't uh i'm looking at otani's contract is so interesting to me colby like about just being dealt how next year is their arbitration and then unrestricted free agent at 20 in 2024 like do you think they extend him because if they don't if they don't like I mean, it's the same thing with Aaron Judge this year, right? It's like they didn't reach a deal, and now Aaron Judge said he's going to talk to all 30 teams. And that's not good. Like, as a Yankees fan, that's a bad feeling. Wouldn't that also be a terrible feeling if they go to arbitration with Otani next year and they don't get a deal and he's going into age 29? Like, I get it that they're they're calling him and whatever, and like you said, like, oh, teams can call about whoever they want, but, like, it doesn't matter. I, I don't know, man. I, I guess, has there even been talks of an extension with Otani? I haven't quite seen anything there. And you know? it's Yeah, it's, it's tough. And I can tell you this, that arbitration conversation is not going to go well because those tend to not exactly be the most player-enlightening conversations. And he's, and he's a freak. And, he's a, and it's a once-in-a-lifetime 
thing because he does everything. And there's no precedent. Like Babe Ruth didn't go through arbitration. (laughs) No. Babe Babe Ruth didn't even know what arbitration was. The word. He probably never saw the word arbitration. Yeah. He, yeah. There's just no precedent for Otani. So what's the, what's the money going to come in? Part of me almost thinks that the angels have these, have this blind optimism because it'll be like, well, well, Trout's only 32. He's still, (laughs) you know, he's still going to be there. And like, we're just, there's no way we can like underperform for like the seventh straight year. Like there's going to be like those thoughts there with, with that team. I, I think it warrants a consideration. I mean, as, as much of a freak as Otani is, I prefer Soto's youth. I mean, yes, he only hits, but he's there, but it's, you know, when there's smoke, there's fire teams could be calling the angels could shut it down right away. But you know, as we've seen so many times in so many sports, nope, we'll, we will never trade this player. Then two weeks later they're traded. So I just, nothing's going to happen with Otani. Don't get me wrong, but I don't think Soto gets dealt at the deadline either this year, only because he's still under team control and the, yeah. the Nationals have no no reason to trade him at this point. Because regardless of whether they trade him now or in the offseason, they're still going to get a heaping pile of prospects right. and maybe even some major league talent with it. So that doesn't matter. They're going to get a hell of a return that's going to basically define their franchise for years right. to come. That's ultimately right. what it's going to come down to is if those guys hit, they'll be good. And if not, then, you know, years from now, we just talk about this being one of the worst trades in Major League Baseball history. And, you know, they have to they have to live with it either way. Right. Okay. We'll have to see what happens there. But we've done this a little bit here. We talk about one player that's guaranteed to be traded at the Major League uh, Baseball trade line. We've already named a couple in the likes of William or Wilson Contreras. Josh Bell, Benintendi, uh, Matt Sills mentioned Shane Bieber last week as an interesting Ooh. name out there. To now throwing it out there, he's also been like I think dying for him to be traded because a couple right. weeks back I remember him saying like keep an eye on Bieber at the deadline. So he's either super plugged in or just really wants Shane Bieber to be traded. So we'll have to see what kind of happens there. But James, go ahead and give me a player that you can just if you had to give a guarantee the James Grand or the James underscore Grande underscore guarantee as you love to do with underscores. Um, who's the guarantee of a guy to get moved at the deadline? Um, I think a sneaky guarantee is coming from Cincinnati staff. Um, and I think there's multiple names. Um, but I'm going to go, this is the year we finally see Luis Castillo dealt. And I got a, I got two sneaky spots here, Colby, because I could say the Yankees and like, obviously they're looking for pitching in every facet now that like everyone's hurt. Like their whole team is just dropping like flies on the staff. Um, I got sneaky teams for you. Both currently in contention. Both need pitching. Both have decent farms. Um, so I don't know if they would deal to the to their division, but the Cardinals definitely need pitching because um, outside of Wayno, uh, they are depleted with Stephen Matz going on the IL and um, Dakota Hudson going on the IL. Um, and like, is Mikolas and Wainwright going to win you a playoff series? I mean, no. So I think, uh, that would be an interesting spot for Castillo. And then here's my other sneaky spot. Another team that needs another frontline starter currently leading the AL central division. And I think they're more willing to spend after seeing, um, you know, they signed Carlos Correa in the offseason just out of the kind of clouds, right? We didn't really expect that. And then, boom, they trade for Gary Sanchez, more offense at the plate. I think the Minnesota Twins could be a sneaky spot for Luis Castillo. They need a frontline starter. Sonny Gray, Joe Ryan, fine. 
Um, Chris Archer's trash. Dylan Bundy is currently their third starter in their rotation. Um, if you bolster that rotation with Luis Castillo for the AL Central leading twins, um, I think they can fend off Cleveland, who we don't know if they're going to buy or sell. And um, what, the White Sox, because we don't know what the hell's going on with the White Sox until they file, fire LaRusso. So um, two sneaky spots. Again, could have went chalk, could have went the Yankees with Castillo because they need the pitching help and they have all the assets needed. Um, but I mean, you know, you have the twins with a shortstop, uh, in the minors and they have a shortstop locked up for the next three years that they could deal, uh, you know, in, in Royce Lewis, if you, if you really felt like, you know, Correa could stay for the future. Um, I think Castillo would be an interesting addition to the twins rotation. And then I, for me, I'll, I'll give you two as well. I'll go back to the reds. Kind of chalk. Brandon Drury's got to get moved. Yeah, he's getting moved for sure. He has to. I mean, they're the team that acquires him is just going to have to live with this pretty gnarly home road splits this year. Um, <laughs> but he's, I mean, this production hasn't, we haven't seen this really at this level from him before. So since he would be wise to capitalize on that. And then whatever team, catcher needy team ends up missing out on the uh, Wilson Contreras sweepstakes. Head to Oakland and look at Sean Murphy. Mm -hmm. He's got some pop. May not hit for a great average, but he's actually outside of arm strength with Contreras. Murphy's probably a better all-around defensive option behind the plate. So you might not get quite the offensive production that you know you might get with you acquired Wilson Contreras. But Murphy's got some pop, and he's a very good defender. So he would be he's a very, he's a solid backup option for a catcher needy team if you miss out on Wilson Contreras. Good contract on Murphy too, by the way. Yep. And he, well, he's from Oakland, so he's got to have a great contract because yeah. they don't give anything out there. It's just, yeah, that's so, almost an assumption. Yeah. Like if you go to Oakland, like you're guaranteed to have this guy uh, for a couple of years. Also, I would say my my um, honorable mentions would be the entire Detroit bullpen to the Yankees. Just send them all to the Yankees. All of them. I mean, they, the Yankees need them, so just send them all. True. Very true. And that, once again, that trade deadline is August 2nd. So we are coming up on that. Um, quite quite soon. So I'm sure if any trades happen, they'll be written in the, the daily roundups that you see on fantasyalarm.com. So check them out there with all the analysis that will be there throughout the week. A uh, couple quick hitters here, James, before we get to a couple things where we wrap up this episode. Um, in Miami, JJ Bleday gets the call to the show. Uh, when you look at his grades, doesn't really grade out as super exceptional. Um, really anywhere in terms of the grade, right. like the 20 to 80 scale or 20 to 80 scale. Um, but you know, uh, fourth overall pick a couple years ago, that's going to command some attention and he's going to have a little bit of a run here with some Miami outfielders a little bit banged up there. So, um, what do you see the rest of the way with Bleday for those in redraft warrants? Cause obviously in dynasty, you're keeping him, you're not doing anything there, but in redraft, if he's, is he a guy that we can look forward to as a, as a waiver wire ad? I mean, he's going to strike out a whole bunch and there's some pop. Um, uh, he's not the most appealing, but if you're, if you're desperate for outfield, um, depth and it's fine. Um, like you said, like, he's not, he's not going to steal you bases. He's going to be middling average. He's going to hit some home runs. Uh, it's not like, I'm not like very excited to pick him up, but if you're desperate, it's, it's, yeah, I guess it could get worse. You could, yeah. you could have drafted Jesus Sanchez. You know, <laughs> yeah. and he and really he's his name and prospect pedigree is going to bump him up. But at the end of the day, when we look at his numbers, if you want a guy that'll hit for a, 
of average to above average batting average, a little bit of pop and no speed, you could probably find eight, nine, uh, 10, 11, 12 of those guys in your waiver wire anyway. So you're really just adding the name and the prospect pedigree. And just to say like, Oh, I had a prospect to my team and it, you think it makes your team look better, but that's, I mean, steamer steamers projecting him to hit four home runs remainder rest of the year. Yep. I mean, that's like what, you know, like at that point, like, I don't know, man, am I, am I, Am I paying this much for four home runs? I don't I don't think so. Yeah, for sure there. And then Julio Rodriguez, a little bit of a wrist issue. You never like to see it, not blaming the home run derby by any means, but you never <laughs> like to see it coming out of the break. And, you know, it's just, it's something that happened. Could be a freak incident there, but uh, I don't like wrist injuries. I don't like wrist, thumb, and hand issues for hitters. I tend to avoid those. So I'm always worried about sapped power production um, afterwards. And it looks like on, Going back to Sunday's game, missed for the third consecutive game due to left wrist soreness. So sounds like it's more precautionary than anything. Um, but any any other concerns other than what I mentioned with just your typical stigma around wrist issues with power hitters? No, I don't think so. I mean, they, there's no structural damage. They said they're hoping the IL can be avoided. So um, seems like rest is probably going to be what happens here i don't know if he's going to return on monday or not but um i i'm not necessarily worried um also not blaming the derby yep. he he jammed it on the stolen base i guess that's what he's that's what he's claiming <laughs> you know maybe 81 home runs later it, it was the derby but uh i'm not all too worried if he i guess if he goes in the il maybe a little little more pause for concern yep and then atlanta adam duvall is done for the year with a torn tendon sheath in his wrist sounds awesome probably hurts like hell but he will no longer be there for atlanta the rest of the way and then we'll come back to your yankees here i don't know if i've ever heard of a pitcher fracturing their elbow on a pitch um i watched the replay and it's i was expecting to see some sort of like gruesome you know incident that basically occurred didn't look terrible but you could tell right away he knew that something uh wasn't right so I would ask you kind of your thoughts with this, but it sounds like basically it's, well, we don't have Michael King, so we're just going to get the whole Detroit bullpen. It sounds like that's kind of where you're at, even though the Yankees were probably going to get a reliever anyway, even if he wasn't hurt. I mean, it's brutal because he's been one of the only reliable arms in the bullpen right now. Uh, Chapman's been terrible. Um, we already lost Chad Green earlier in the year. Miguel Castro's on the IL. Like, it's very bleak, so... Um, honestly, whoever is available right now, the Yankees, if that's the priority and it's not Soto, like if Soto is not on the table, the priority needs to be the bullpen because this loss hurts quite a bit for the Yankees. And then one, we kind of mentioned it here, but Cardinals could be a sneaky team for a starter. We also have Steven Matz going on the aisle, much to my chagrin, because he was one of the pitchers I was very invested in all year. Dude, couple, same, same. Couple, couple good starts there to open the year then he gets injured and then he comes back seven k's over five and a third against cincy boom tears his left mcl can't, can't feel can't feel the can't feel pfps man come on everyone knows that pfps work on your pfps brother come on yep and overall for the year i mean he had a 570 era but the 395 fit 304 x fit but well over a strikeout per inning at 10.76 marks yeah. so this this stinks. I, 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 I think that this really pushes St. Louis to look for a starter because they, yep. they have the team. They're, they need a starter. Maybe it is some guy named Luis Castillo, but this is definitely a blow to St. Louis and fantasy baseball managers alike. 
Yeah, man. Um, I'm with you. I thought the move for Mats to, because he pitched well in Toronto last year. I, I thought the move to this ballpark was going to be wonderful um, for him. I, I too am extremely invested in Steven Mats this year. Um, tough loss, but I, I mean, I look, they need a starter. I mean, you can go to Cincinnati, Tyler Molly, if you don't want to pay the, the cost for Luis Castillo um, is another option. So um, you, you know, if you want to stay in the division, great, good old Jose Quintana, right? You, you know, best, best pitcher in Pittsburgh, right? That's what you got to tell him. Um, so yeah, it's a tough loss for Matt, for fantasy owners, for sure. Because um, the, the, the numbers, the peripherals are, are way better and, and he was poised for a, a good second half. So kind of stinks. I would probably drop him four to six weeks is the report. But like, do you think a four to six week for like a serious knee injury is like actually realistic? I feel like he's going to be out for longer. But what do I? I what do I know? Um, but but he's droppable for for the foreseeable future. I think what'll ultimately end up happening is he's going to go on the IL. Whether he gets surgery or not, that'll ultimately be the first determinant in his timeline there. But ultimately, what's going to happen is. St. Louis sees they're in a stretch. Even if they go acquire a starter, it's going to be, hey, you pitching in the dog days of September right. doesn't matter. Like, right. get ready for the playoffs. We'll use you there. And honestly, if they do acquire a starter, Matt's could end up just being an innings eater. And that way, you have to start mm -hmm. games, let him just come out of the pen for the playoffs. Sure. But at this point, at this point, you know, you're looking at the standings and Cardinals are barring an epic collapse. They should be able to get in, most likely. Um they need to obviously handle their business, but if, if so, Matt's is they're looking for him to the postseason. I'm probably going to drop him in redraft. I have him in TGFBI, and I'm going to drop him this week. It's yep. just that's just where we're at there. We talked about Raphael Devers, but we'll come back to him in a little bit now that he's on the IL. But Max Max Mayer's injury stunk. I was all in on him in DFS that day. I was in him on Prize Picks, Underdog, pick whatever whatever freaking site you play on, and you put money in and pick for something. I was all in on this guy going up against um, Pittsburgh's. When you face elite talent, you tend to get the best out of that particular person. So I was excited for Mayer there. And, you know, there were conflicting reports. He came out and someone, I thought I saw a tweet that said back spasms. Then it said sprained elbow. Yeah. Um, either way, I don't like either for a starting pitcher. No. So any any long-term concern here with, with Meyer? And at this point, do you even think if it's going to be, if it is related to the arm, I mean, is there any point to rush him back, especially if Miami just, you know, they're five games out of the wild card right now. If they if they drop the next, you know, week or two, is there any rush to bring him back? Zero, because this is actually the second arm injury he's had this year. If it is, in fact, the arm, which that's the report. Um, second one this year. So, no, I think there's zero rush. Um, even when they asked him after the game, he was like, yeah, I don't know right now. So... <laughs> He doesn't know. We don't know. But it, when you have two arm injuries in one season, that is definitely concerning. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm very concerned as of now, but I guess we'll have to wait and see until we get more concrete, you know, results. Uh, but, yeah, definitely concerned, definitely not rushing to, like, stash him uh, because that's, I mean, that's just wasting a spot. Yep, and of course, just as the disclaimer, this is for redraft specifically, dynasty. Redraft specific, yeah, yeah, all redraft specific. There, dynasty, just leave, a, throw them on an IL, throw them mm -hmm. where you need to. You're keeping them there. Uh, but James, we talked about teams a little bit in the beginning, but 
going to go ahead and put some number scales now here to it. So level of concern, usually we talk about players, but this week it is the team addition. So as much analysis as you like, as little analysis as you like, scale of one to 10, one being nah, not concerned to 10 being fire off every single alarm that you have. I am incredibly concerned about this team. So let's talk about first Boston Red Sox, one and nine in their last 10. Outfielders just don't even care to catch the ball anymore. Pitchers <laughs> are like, screw it. I'm going to throw it right down the middle because it doesn't matter. Everybody's injured. You know, pets' heads are falling off. But if there's any if there's any silver lining, it's that uh, the 73-year-old Rich Hill did look good in a simulated <laughs> game. So there, that could be the silver lining that you're looking at here. So on a scale of one to 10, how concerned are you the rest of the way for the Boston Red Sox? In honor of Rich Hill's age, I'll go 7.3. Okay. Um, I'd be higher, but that's... I, no, I, yeah, that was just, that was just like, um, if they can get everyone healthy offensively, they can do damage, but will they get healthy in time for them to all be playing together still? I mean, um, who's to say Boston doesn't go and trade Xander Bogarts? He's not pot committed to this team after this year. That's kind of why they sign story. Like, hey, we have our shortstop once Bogarts inevitably leaves. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if you you can definitely go higher. I'll, I'll go 7.3. 7.3 is very high, so I'd mm-hmm. love to hear your number um, if you're going higher than that. Yeah, 7.4. So, <laughs> I, I will definitely go higher by 0.1. I mean, I, I never said a lie. That's I true. Definitely. I am sure. definitely – Higher. Let's see where the LA Angels fall into things here. Obviously, Trout is on the the injured list. Teams <laughs> are calling on Otani. I wrote up in a, my trade deadline piece for Fantasy Alarm in lieu of the one daily roundup over the All-Star break. Noah Syndergaard should be considered as a potential trade yep. target since they aren't invested to him after this year. I don't know what to make of that team. So talk to me here. What is your level of concern with the Angels? They're 2-8 and eight in their last 10, so they're barely better than Boston, and they're now looks like double digit games out of the wild card. So what's your concern with the angels? I don't know. What is like, what is this team, right? Like what I'm just concerned for like their well-being as a team, dude, they have like literally the two best players in baseball and it does not matter at all, at all in the slightest bit. It just doesn't matter. Rendon, just never healthy. Jared Walsh can't hit left-handed pitching to save his life. Taylor Ward was like the hottest player in the history of the game for like a month. And then has just been like good. Joe Adele is like the most overhyped prospect of all time. Uh, can't do anything when he gets called to the majors. I don't know what to think of this team. Their pitching stinks outside of Otani. Sandoval is like, someone I was super high on and he hasn't been there. Syndergaard's been the most inconsistent guy of the year. Reed Detmers hasn't been good. I mean, 10, a 10, I guess would be the answer because this team is horrible. There's pieces. Maybe people would want at the deadline, but like Luis Rangifo is hitting third and that's all you need. <laughs> like, Yep, that is that's that's the issue with that team now. To our, you know, to our uh, approval or acceptance or happiness, uh, it's very nice to go at sh- strikeout pitcher props against this Angels team. So maybe that's our silver lining. The rest of the way is just whatever starters facing the Angels, look to the over in that strikeout prop, and you should be okay. So 
Angels, yeah, I'm I'm worried about them. Other than the fact that when I pick strikeout props against them, since those seem to True. to fare uh, to fare quite well. And the last one I'll pose to you here: uh, Philadelphia Phillies. They're right in the thick of things for the wild card, they're, but they are three and seven in their last ten. Harper uh, is working his way back from the issue. Their offense is just. Whew. It, yeah, it's very good sometimes and very bad other times. And there seems to be like no middle ground with, <laughs> with that team. So what's the level of concern with the Philadelphia Phillies? I mean, it's very concerning when you get swept by the Cubs, right? Mm-hmm. That's like the first sign, like a Cubs team that's looking to sell um, and you score seven runs in an entire series. Um, I mean, it's, it's obviously concerning, um, they're going to get Harper back at some point, but where are they when they do like Didi Gregorius, all the power is sapped. He has zero home runs this year. Um, Reese Hoskins, as you mentioned him and Schwarber, like the same player, it's like they're white hot or they are just the worst baseball players in the world. Um, and like you said, there's no middle ground. Um, I'm definitely concerned. I do think they're pitching will keep them in games. I mean, Wheeler, Nola, Suarez has been a little better lately. Kyle Gibson is pretty good for a fourth, fifth starter. Um, so, like, they have pieces, and I think things can get better for Harper. So I'll be less um, – it's still, like, concerning because it's just, like, uh, 5.3, um, knowing that Bryce Harper will be back. But, I mean, it's, it's concerning, man. Like, they're – you know, fired their manager um, and his binder went with them. So, like, what are they, what is, like, what is the scouting report if they don't have Joe Girardi's binder anymore? Yeah. And that's the thing. When you look at the month of July, I mean, they've only scored 68 runs. We're 25 days into the year or into the month, and they yep. scored 68 runs. Yep. And they have two games there where they have 11 and 10. And then other than that, we're talking five, six, four, two, five, two, one, three, one, three, two, two, four, two, two, three. Uh, It's not all love in Philly right now. There's definitely some issues there to be worked out. I don't, they're not in a spot where it's not, I don't expect them to be buyers at the deadline, at least significantly, because I think there are two, this isn't just a one player type problem, plus getting Harper back. That's not going to to, to fix everything. So I, I'm concerned. I'm about a six with the Phillies. Um, you know, I'm a little bit concerned, but not as much as the angels and right. the Boston Red Sox. But James, as we put a bow on this episode and head into the next week of the fantasy baseball season, what is your prediction for the week that lies ahead? I'm going to go, we'll go back to the trades. I'll go with the Cubs are going to make a deal. Um, I think one of, or both Ian Happ, and Wilson Contreras are traded this week. Okay, I we've talked especially about especially with Jan Gomes homering twice. Like, why would they even need Wilson Contreras? Jan Gomes homered twice on Sunday, you know. And I, if I remember correctly, I believe Jan Gomes mashes lefties. Does I believe is where absolutely it is. So, mashes lefties. Yep. Yeah. So there's your DFS little tidbit for the rest of the <laughs> way. Especially if Contreras goes those first couple of games against lefties until the pricing catches up. Jan Gomes will probably be in. The playbook in the value vault, probably some prize picks and underdog content. Unless they well. trade him too, unless they trade both their catchers, because that wouldn't surprise me either. Jan Gomes is a much cheaper version of, or a much cheaper uh, addition than Wilson Contreras would be. And Gomes is showing that he can hit. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you put him on a team that maybe already has a catcher, but he just becomes 
the smaller side of the platoon or sure. the pinch hitter guy gets lefties, you could do much worse than him. Uh, last week I said that uh, David Bednar is going to be traded. So my bold prediction this week is that Mr. David Bednar <laughs> will be traded. Um, they're going to get rid of him. It's just a matter of time. They get the right deal. They get those middling prospects. That'll be perfect to be traded in a couple of years. So I think that'll be what happens there. And it's obviously great to make predictions around the trade deadline because well, it only happens once a year. It comes by once a year in Major League Baseball. So those are this week's bold predictions heading into the week ahead. And that'll really wrap up this episode of the Fantasy Alarm Fantasy Baseball Podcast. So first off, make sure you give James a follow at the underscore real underscore grande on Twitter. If you feel so inclined, I'm at Colby R. Conway on Twitter. And after doing that, head over to Fantasy Alarm and make sure you check out the free NFL draft guide. It is there. Uh, coaching systems are coming out now, which is very uh, exciting for the content. There's also the staff mock draft that I believe James participated mm-hmm. in with me. Yep. We were there for a long time. So we, we were, were there all, for a very long time. <laughs> we, we were all there. You can see how many Texans I drafted per my usual MO in these things. So make sure you check all of that uh, NFL draft guide content, content out on the site, as well as all the baseball content, because there's, there's still baseball to be played. It's not all about fantasy football just yet. There's still baseball to be had. There's still player props to take advantage of and DFS contests to win. So once again, James Grande at the underscore James underscore at the underscore James underscore Grande on Twitter. And then I am at Colby Archive. You got to get rid of those underscores. I just. Yeah. yeah, Again, uh, the real Grande, uh, the person has it, uh, was a once upon a time Ariana Grande's uh, fake account. Um, Haven't tweeted since 2011. Uh, but there is they they stole my thunder, so I'm, I'm just working on uh, trying to get the handle. Here. Well, August second. If you don't have it by August second, I'm just gonna start. Tweet, I'm just gonna start promoting that one because I'm these underscores are getting to me. But anyway, that's this week's episode. We'll see you back next week for the next edition of the Fantasy Alarm Fantasy Baseball Podcast.